0: That song reminds me of a um, story that I read this week. I don't remember if it was um, if I was re- if I read it out of a book or if I heard a sermon that was preached. But it reminds me of a of a father that was driving down the road with the son, and all of a sudden a bee flies into the car, and the boy begins to panic and he's freaking out because he's deathly allergic to bees. And that father, to ease his 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 anxiety, reaches out and grabs that bee. And, and the boy at, at once began to relax. Well, the father let that bee go again. And the boy once again went into panic mode because he didn't know um, what was going to happen. He didn't want that bee to sting him. And the father turned and he looked at his son and he said, look right here, son. And he showed him the stinger that was in his hand. And he said, he said son, see, I took the sting for you. That's what Jesus did whenever he went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins. He took the sting for us away from death. He provided a way that every one of us in this room can experience eternal life when we place our trust and our faith in him. Well, let me begin by saying happy Easter, happy resurrection day, and happy April Fool's Day. Everybody knows it's April Fool's, right? You know, as I was preparing for this message, I came across kind of the history of April Fool's Day. And it actually began around the the year 1700 in England. A bunch of schoolboys began to prank one another, and they began to call it April Fool's Day. You know, it has been a while since I have played an April Fool's joke. Um, I will tell you that I was pretty good at it at one time. Um, but I, I haven't done it in a while. So the day is still young. We'll see what happens as we as we go along. You know, I wonder what life would have been like if 2,000 years ago there was a such thing as April Fool's Day. Can you imagine the reaction from the religious leaders when they got word that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb? Can you imagine their reaction? whenever they heard that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb, but he had risen again and he was walking amongst them. Can you imagine what their reaction would have been? I'm sure that every single one of those religious leaders would have thought that they had become the butt of every joke. I want you to know this morning, the resurrection is nothing to joke about. Some 2,000 years ago, the religious leaders were not fooled or tricked into believing the resurrection occurred because Jesus really did rise to life again. There is undeniable evidence. The tomb was empty. The disciples saw the resurrected Jesus. Paul reports that some 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. And not only that, but both believers and unbelievers documented the resurrected Jesus. Jesus did conquer death, and he did rise to life again. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus indeed did rise to life again? I want you to know this morning that the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And the resurrected Jesus can change you this morning if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, normally on Easter Sunday... The sermons that you hear are sermons that that really focus in on giving a defense of the gospel, reaching back into history's past and giving historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to preach that kind of a sermon this morning to you. This morning, we're not going to focus so much on the historical evidence because I really believe that the vast majority of us in this room truly believe in Jesus. We believe in the life, in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have great head knowledge of the resurrected Jesus. But what I want to ask you this morning is this, has your life been transformed by the resurrected Jesus? Has your head knowledge become life change? Has your head knowledge gone down into your heart? and your life been forever changed as a result of the resurrected Jesus. Here's what I want us to see this morning. The resurrection changes us. Every single one of us in this room can be changed by the resurrected Jesus. One of my heroes of the faith is the Apostle Paul. Paul is one of the most influential and most important Christians to ever live. He was a great preacher. He was a great evangelist. He was a great theologian, a great writer, a great missionary. In fact, he was one of the most instrumental missionaries within the early church to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ amongst the known world. He took the gospel both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. He preached to countless numbers of people. He 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 planted countless numbers of churches. He discipled and equipped the believers that came to know Christ as a result of his ministry. And he wrote 13 of our New Testament books that we find right here in God's Word. At one time he was not, he, at one time he was known as the greatest enemy of the church. You know that? At one time, Paul was known for being the greatest enemy of the church. He ransacked the church. He arrested believers. We read in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. This is our first introduction to this man named Paul slash Saul. We read this, And Saul approved of his execution. Paul, before he became a believer, ravaged the church and was responsible for the imprisonment of many Christians. He was responsible for the beating of many Christians. And he was also there giving approval to the death of Christians. Paul was a horrible man before Jesus. However, this horrible man was radically transformed By Jesus Christ, he would go from being the chief persecutor of the church to one of its principal leaders. His life would not be easy. Easy post Christ, post his salvation experience, he would experience great persecution. He would experience beatings. He would be stoned. He would be arrested. He would experience shipwreck. He would go without food, he would have no money, and he would also die a martyr's death. Paul, as well as many of the early church leaders, would change the world. In one of the cities where they did ministry, those within that city that were unbelievers said that these men turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. That is what the gospel of Jesus Christ should lead each of us in this room to do. To turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. You know who turns the world upside down for Christ? Men and women that believe in the gospel and have repented of their sins and have responded in faith to the gospel. Men, women, students, and children that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe in the incarnation, that that Jesus came being born of a virgin. They believe that he lived a sinless life, that he was crucified for our sins, that he atoned for our sins, and he rose to life again three days after being placed in that tomb. Paul was such a man. He changed the world for Jesus Christ. How about you and I? Are we changing the world for Jesus Christ? Are we turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ? On one occasion, Paul found himself in prison in the city of Caesarea. This was a temporary layover for him because ultimately he was on his way to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. While in Caesarea, the political leaders are trying to figure out what Paul had done wrong. The Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, they wanted him dead. They had arrested him, and they had beaten him, and they wanted him dead. And the only reason he was not put to death was because Paul was not only a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And because he was a Roman citizen, he was guaranteed a fair trial. And so Paul appealed to Rome. He appealed to Caesar himself so that he would be given a fair trial trial. It would take years for Paul to reach Rome because he would experience lay after layover after layover. He would spend time in prison after prison. Caesarea, be, Caesarea would be one of those layovers. He would spend approximately two years in prison there. The political leaders within that city, they could not wrap their minds around what Paul had done wrong. Paul had been accused of just one crime. And one crime only, and that crime was this that he believed in Jesus and he believed in the resurrected Jesus. In Acts 25:18 through 19 we read these words. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Paul believed in the resurrection. The religious leaders did not believe in the resurrection. And so the Romans were left clueless as to what to do with Paul. But Paul would finally get his day in court in Caesarea. And we read of that account in Acts chapter 26. Notice Paul's defense. Paul said, My manner of life from my youth... Spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain. As they earnestly worship night and day, and for this hope I am accused by Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Paul is defending himself by saying that he is being accused of believing in what the prophets said would come to pass. The prophets declared that the Messiah would come. They declared that that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that he would live a sinless life, that he would die a sinner's death, that he would be crucified and raised to life three days later. The prophets prophesied of this. In fact, there are over 300 prophecies. In the Old Testament, declaring that the Messiah would come. And Paul said that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised one, the one that the forefathers had declared would come. Jesus should have been celebrated, not crucified. Paul wants to know why it is so hard to believe that the God who spoke all of creation into existence was unable to raise the dead to life again. And that's part of Paul's defense. Paul would go on and share of his salvation experience. Paul was, before he became a Christian, was on his way to the city of Damascus. Then he was going there to arrest anyone belonging to the way, anyone belonging to Jesus. And he was going to arrest them and he was going to drag them right back to Jerusalem where they would stand trial for, for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the road to Damascus, you know what happened? The resurrected Jesus appeared to Paul. And while Paul was on that road, he had a salvation experience where he was forgiven of our sins, and he placed his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this man would never be the same again. And so Paul shared this experience with these men, and then he went on to say in Acts 26 verses 19 through 23, we read these words. Paul said, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing the deeds in keeping with their repentance. Notice what Paul did right after he became a Christian. Immediately after he became a Christian, just a few days later, Paul began to testify of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Immediately, his life was changed, and his mission had changed, and his message had changed and he became a proclaimer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it that as believers in this room, some of us have never shared our faith with another person? If Jesus Christ has radically changed us and we received his love and his grace, then shouldn't our lives model men like Paul, who immediately post-salvation began to proclaim the good news of salvation? Paul would go on to say, In verse 21 we read, For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. I love how Paul rationally defends his faith. He speaks nothing other than what the prophets of old declared would come to pass. He didn't go into some elaborate discourse. He didn't make up anything. He just simply preached God's Word and the prophecy of God's Word before these unbelievers. And as a result of that, notice what happens next. And as he was saying these sayings in his defense... the prophets. I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, will you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I, except for these chains." Then the king rose, and the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar." Paul was a passionate champion for Christ. He was unwavering in his faith. He was firm in his belief and in his resolve. Festus asked Paul he, 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 if, 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 if he was a lunatic, if he was a madman. And, and, and we know Paul. We know that he was an absolute genius. And we also know this, if Paul was accused of being a lunatic for what he believed in, then every single one of us in here that truly believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are equally lunatics in this room. Those men could not find any guilt in Paul. And because he appealed to Caesar, to Caesar he would go. Notice also, the resurrection changes our message. Paul would go from seeking to silence all believers to become a great herald for Jesus. He would preach, he would teach, he would debate, he would defend, he would share, and he would write. All for the sake of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Paul saw the resurrected Jesus and believed, his message Changed His life was transformed. How about you this morning? Has the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed you and changed your life? Have you allowed the resurrected Jesus to change you and to transform you? This is where we must ask ourselves two questions this morning. The first one is this. Is my belief in Jesus based just on? on the facts. Do I believe in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus because this is what I was taught to believe? Do you believe this because you, that you are a Christian because your parents were Christians? Do you believe that you are a Christian because your grandparents were Christians? Do you believe that you are a believer because your friends are Christians? Do you believe that you're a believer because you married into Christianity because your spouse is a Christian? Hear me when I say this, you are not born a Christian. You become a Christian when you are born again. So is your belief in Jesus based merely in mere facts or have you been transformed By Jesus from the inside out. Do you see the difference between those two questions? One belief is based on facts and the other belief moved from just beyond the facts to total life change. We are told in James chapter 2 verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. There is not a demon that does not believe in God the Father. Demons are fallen angels, so they absolutely, unequivocally believe in God the Father. There is not a demon that does not believe in the resurrected Jesus. They know without a shadow of a doubt that three days after Jesus was placed into that tomb, he rose to life again. Those very demons believe. They have head knowledge, obviously, but their lives were never transformed. That's why they are fallen angels. So do you just believe in the facts about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Or have you allowed the facts to soak into your inner core and change everything about you? Paul was changed in his very core. Everything about this blasphemer, persecutor, everything about him was changed in an instant. In fact, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and told them what happens when a person is radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21, we read these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Notice, the old has passed away. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of the transformation that Jesus makes within the life of a believer, we are given a new life. We are given a new message. No longer are we ambassadors of this world, but we are ambassadors for Jesus. Jesus, at the moment of our salvation, changed Changed us. He changes us. Changes everything about us. When I became a Christian on Easter Sunday, when I was 11 years old, my life changed forever. I grew up knowing the facts. I grew up knowing about the incarnation of Jesus, about the crucifixion of Jesus, and about the resurrection of Jesus. I knew about those truths. But when I was 11, that belief moved from head knowledge to my heart, and my life changed forever. I went from being lost To found. I went from being eternally condemned to a life separated from God in a place called hell to eternally secure, knowing that one day when I too take my final breath on this side of eternity, I will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I went from being eternally condemned to eternally secure. I became a new person, a new creation the day that Jesus Christ saved me. And hear me when I say this. If you are a believer in this room, then you too became a new person at the moment of your salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 again says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How about you this morning? Ask yourself, reflect for a moment, do you have just a head knowledge of who Jesus is? Do you merely believe in the facts or has your life been changed to the very core? Hear me when I say this. One day, every one of us will take our final breath on this side of eternity. And God's word is very, very clear that we are either going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven, or we're going to spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ in a real literal place called hell. Do you believe this morning? Notice our final point this morning is this. The resurrection changes our decisions. The resurrection changes our decisions. In John 1.12 we read, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice this equation right here. Belief, when we believe plus we receive, we become when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive the grace and mercy and love of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we experience his forgiveness when we call on his name. Notice what happens. We become children of God. We become a new creation. The old is gone and we are given a new life In Jesus Christ. Some of you in this room may believe only in the facts about Jesus. You believe the truths about Jesus. But you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have never experienced the transformation of Jesus Christ from the inside out. You may say to me this morning, you may say, Well, Chad... When I was seven years old, I prayed a prayer. And I was told that if I prayed this prayer, that I will spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. Okay, there is much truth to that. Okay, but understand this. Just because you prayed a scripted prayer, that does not mean that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Because those that truly pray and repent of their sins, and cry out to Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior, their lives are changed. Their lives become radically different. Just like Paul, who went from being a blasphemer, he immediately became a champion for Jesus Christ. Okay, that did not occur just because he prayed a prayer. That occurred because his life was radically changed by the resurrected Jesus who transformed him from the inside out. How about you this morning? Do you have head knowledge or has your life been forever changed? Last weekend, my, my family and I went to see the movie I Can Only Imagine. If you haven't seen that movie, it's a really good movie. But I want you to know that that movie is so much more than a movie about a famous song that was written. It is a story about forgiveness more than it is a story about a famous song. And the story... The, it is the story of Bart Millard, who grew up in the home of an abusive father. Bart stated in that movie, My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him. I love that line. My God was a monster, and I saw God transform him. He talks about seeing his, his dad transformed by his very, before his very eyes. At the age of 44, his, his dad got cancer. It would be soon after that that his dad would become a believer. And, and when Bart found out that his dad was a Christian, Bart did not believe it. He could not wrap his mind around it. His father sought his forgiveness. And Bart says, God may be able to forgive you, but I can't. Well, the Lord radically transformed that relationship. And not only did God forgive his father, but, but Bart was able to forgive his father, and he was also able to accept his father's love. His dad went from being a monster to a new person in Christ. That's what Jesus does in our life. He changes our lives Has your life been changed and transformed by Jesus? Has your life moved from from head knowledge to heart transformation? Has your life changed? You know, I shared with you in this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a word that is in there that speaks of reconciliation. What that word means is this. It's like a soldier that is marching. And that soldier is marching, and all of a sudden he does an about face, and he immediately turns and goes a new direction. That is what happens when a, when a lost person finds Jesus. They go from going this direction toward the pits of hell to immediately being radically changed and on a trajectory now toward eternal life. My, I've shared this story with you before, but my, my grandfather, whenever he was younger, had an accident where he, he, he shot himself in the arm. And he went throughout life because the, the damage was so great. He went throughout life with a bone that literally stuck out of his wrist like this. Now, it was covered with skin, so it wasn't just the bone, okay? But, but he, he, that, he, there was this, this big old knot that was on his arm. Well, because of the damage of that shotgun wound, they were unable to reconcile his arm. But I want you to know this morning that no matter how deep your wounds are this morning, no matter how, how, how great the splinters that come forth off of your life are this morning, what Jesus Christ will do is he will reconcile you. He'll take your brokenness and he will make you as if you had never sinned before. That's how good our God is. That's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Because he takes our sin-filled life and radically transforms us into new people. Into new individuals. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is this. Become a Christ follower. Accept God's love for you this morning. Jesus went to the cross. And he died on that cross because he loved you. Because he loved those outside of the doors of this church. He loved you. That's why he went to the cross. And on that cross, he provided forgiveness for our sins. And he atoned for our sins. They placed him in that tomb, but they, the, that grave could not contain him because three days later he rose to life again. He experienced victory over death. And every single one of us in this room that place our faith in Jesus Christ too can experience victory over death. You may ask, how do I do that this morning? Well, the first thing that we must do, a person must do is you must admit that you're a sinner, okay? Bible says in Romans 3, 23, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room are sinners, okay? I am a, I am a sinner today, even though I've been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus. I am a sinner, okay? But there's a difference between the, my sin nature today after I'm a believer in my sin nature, before I was a believer. In Romans 6.23, we read that the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin, what we deserve, is eternal death, eternal separation from God. But we go on to read that. Notice the, the but that's in that um, verse. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, our sin separates us from God. Yes, we deserve death because of our sin. But the free gift that God has provided for every one of us in this room is if we would believe and trust in Jesus, we will be forgiven for those sins. We must believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. In John 3, 16, we read, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he died for you so that you could enter into an eternal relationship with him. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. There are not a hundred different ways to heaven. Okay, there is one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can get through Jesus Christ is you have to accept his love. You have to accept his forgiveness. You have to accept his mercy. I mean, that's good news this morning. It's not anything that you do. It's all because of what he did for you that you can enter into an eternal relationship with him. We also must confess Christ to be Lord and Savior of our lives. In Romans 10, 9 we read that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So we are to proclaim and profess that Jesus is Savior who takes away our sin and he is Lord who reigns supremely over our lives Man, that's what happens when reconciliation occurs. We go from following the, the Lords of this world to following the one true Lord, and we make an about face and follow after Jesus Christ. And understand this, in closing, there is a promise that comes with salvation. In Romans 10, 13, we read these words. Whoever Calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, that's good news. You know, I know a lot of people in this room, you may think, well, man, I messed up way, way too many times to ever be forgiven for my sins. I want you to know this. No one is beyond the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at Paul. Man, what, what was Paul? Man, he, he, if he didn't murder, we know he at least approved Of the murder of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And if there was a Stephen, there were probably other Stephens as well. So if God could save Paul and radically transform him into becoming one of the greatest heralds ever of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he can transform you. You haven't done anything that's so bad that's beyond God's love and beyond God's God's grace. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Receive God's love. Receive his forgiveness. Experience his grace, okay? And then understand this, okay? This is where it's important right here, okay? We can't just go through life with the head knowledge, believing. I grew up in the church, so I know this to be true. That's great. I hope you know this to be true. But has this truth gone from here to here where your life has been radically changed? And are you a different man or woman or student or child today because of what Jesus Christ did in your life at the moment of your salvation than you were before? If there is no difference between the before and the after, then there's probably something wrong with with, with, with what happened at the moment of your salvation. If you have questions this morning, you don't know for certain whether or not you're a Christ follower. I'm going to be here at the front this morning, and I would love for you to come and just say, hey, I don't know Jesus, or I'm really struggling with whether or not I am a, I'm a Christian. I would love to share with you more about how you can enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Believer in this room, I love how that, that, that early church was accused of turning the world upside down. May it be said of all of us in this room that we are radically turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. That's what those that have been transformed by Jesus do. We turn the world upside down. We live radically different. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I'm going to be standing here at the front. We're going to pray together, and then I invite you to come and to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this this morning. We thank you for this day that we're able to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I know in a room this size that there may be one or more that have great head knowledge of who you are and what you've done but they have never responded to the invitation that you have offered to enter into an eternal relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there are some in this room that don't know for certain whether they are followers of yours, make it incredibly evident to them right now. Father, may your Holy Spirit do a work within every life in this room, both unbelievers and believers alike. And Father, may you draw the lost unto yourself. Father, may those in this room that do not know whether or not they are followers of yours, may they get that nailed down today. For those that know without a shadow of a doubt that they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that you will just draw them unto yourself. I pray that they will repent of their sins and confess you as Lord and Savior of their life, and they will begin a new path today where they're going to live for you as ambassadors of yours and not live for this world and the ambassadors of this world, but they're going to live for you. Father, move now during this time of invitation. Father, speak to hearts and draw the lost unto yourself, Father. Lord, we love you. We are just blown away by the work that you performed on the cross. We're blown away that you loved us so much that you went to that cross and you shed your blood for us and you gave up your life's breath so that all of us in this room could be atoned, our sins could be atoned for. But Father, there's something that has to happen in an individual's life. They've got to believe in you. They've got to trust in you and they've got to become a new person. And so right now, make... Those that don't know you, new people in you. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.